Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the North Terminal, the brand new travel podcast to hit your ears. Uh, my name's Jack Evans, today I'll be joined once more by Jacob Tofts as we talk about Eastern Europe. This is the start of a double header. Next week we'll be talking about Montenegro with Travelling Sam, our first guest on the podcast, which is brilliant. But this week we will be discussing a variety of locations from Poland to Slovenia to a bit of Croatia as well and why Eastern Europe is sometimes undervisited and underrated too. So, without further ado... Let's get into the podcast. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to episode two of Two Travellers Walk Into a Bar podcast. I know, as I said last episode, it's not the most catchy name. But we'll go along with it. Today I'm joined with Jacob. Once Hello everyone. Hope you're all well. Um, how are you, Jacob? I'm alright, Jack. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. It's raining today, sadly. It so is raining. I haven't been able to get out. But it's great for me because I have hay fever all year round, so that's quite good. Yeah, fair enough. See, I don't really suffer with it, so the longer I'm outside, the better, really. But I guess I'm blessed in that sense. Today we've got a really cool topic to talk about. Yeah. We're talking about Eastern Europe, which is one of the most diverse but undiscovered places on Earth. And I say undiscovered because compared to the West of Europe, it is undiscovered. No one really goes there. People will go to your Spains, your Portugals, your Frances, your Italys, and even Britain. Which, looking at the weather today, you can't really understand. Yeah. But people seem to love it here. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so today we're just going to be talking, we're going to talk a bit about Poland, which we were both very fortunate to visit in February, Yeah, uh, which is one of my favourite countries I've been to, I don't know about Jacob, and we'll yeah, talk about Slovenia and also Croatia, but also talking about Eastern Europe as a whole. So why do you think Eastern Europe doesn't get the plaudits it deserves? It's, it's like you say that, that Western Europe is just such a commercialist tourist location that it just is looming over Eastern Europe and it's being overshadowing it. And that's why we always go, well, as a country, we always go to the Frances and the Germanys and the Spains and that, but we never really know or go to Eastern Europe. And that's a real shame, I think. Yeah, I've got a statistic here sort of sums it up very well. Italy, Spain, France and England account for 55% of all European arrivals. Yeah, yeah. That's that's massive. Germany doesn't even come close, nor does Portugal, nor does all these smaller countries. It is the big four which really contribute. And I think it's mainly just because they are your traditional sites, aren't they? And I think we can't obviously slander those who go there because I think it's those places are good for families to go to, especially like young families. And I think, I think a young family with three or four or two, two or three kids who are, you know, toddlers would not have as much fun going to say, Eastern Europe and then with Western Europe just because it's it's not uh, directed towards that uh, vacation style holiday. I believe part of it as well is safety. Like everyone yeah. sees it as right, this is our safe bet. 
before I went out to Eastern Europe, I was a bit, I was a bit like, do I want to go to Eastern Europe or do I mm. not? Because yeah. seeing France, Spain, you know what's going on. Even though they're speaking in another language, a lot of people can speak That's, English. Yeah. It's very family-fied, as you said. Um, and Eastern Europe, it's not that it's not family-fied or it's not safe. It's, it's just not It's just as, unknown. Yeah. Mm. It is so unknown. People, I've always wanted to go to Belarus. And when I ask people, do you want to come to Belarus with me? They go, well, well I don't even know where Belarus is. Yeah. Which is like, if you say, where is France? People yeah. know, oh, it's you know just across it the channel. Yeah. But Belarus and all these countries, it's not like they're dangerous at all because they're far from it. They're probably some of the safest places you could be on earth. Mm-hmm. They're just unknown. Yeah. To most of the population. It's 83 million tourists visit France every year. Crikey. And that makes it the leading tourist destination in the world. That's more than America. Mm-hmm. That's more than Canada. That's more than any of these bigger land masses. Yeah. 83 million tourists per year. To put that into perspective, Poland gets 16 million a year. And it's roughly the same size. Yeah. So it's, it is mad. And coming into Poland, there's a very funny story because I arrived late, um, <laughs> which we won't go into, but I had about three delayed flights. Yeah. Thank you I arrived Hurricane, at... Uh, no, Storm Kira, I think that was. Storm, yeah, really Storm messed Kira. Up, messed up your... Yeah, 100%. Because I was flying from Dusseldorf into um, Krakow at the time and I left the airport and got into a taxi to get into the centre of Krakow like old town where I was meeting up with everyone who was already there and the taxi driver spoke no English whatsoever I showed him things on my phone and he just didn't get it and it was like talking to someone who literally couldn't understand me and I couldn't understand them Eventually, I had to get someone from Poland who could speak both to sort of translate. But it does sum it up. Mm. I met plenty of people in Poland who could speak perfectly good English. Many people could. But it's not to the levels of Western Europe. And I think also, as a lot of the Western European languages are taught at our schools, and, you know, a lot of kids have got a vague understanding of how to speak French or Spanish and and I think that pe- uh, parents and families are more drawn to going places where they can speak the language or people are more known to be good English speakers because I don't know I mean the French are quite good English speakers I think and so yeah. Spanish yeah. and the Germans whereas we don't know how good the the Slovenians or the Croatians speak English so yeah and it's like with this podcast, we don't want to say like, oh, like they can't speak English or anything. Mm. Because yeah, yeah, as yeah. I said, many of them can, but it's just in some of the more remote places, it can be hard to come by. Yeah. Which is why I think many families look at it and go, we're going to go there. And often it's recommendations. Family friends go away, let's say, to the Ardennes um, Forest or the Dordogne, and we'll go you know what, it's really nice there and people follow suit. 
which is what we're going to see happening soon with these air bridges being mm -hmm. in place with the government. It's every year European residents take a, over a billion vacation trips. I read that in the Telegraph the other week, and that is a crazy statistic. And for 55% of them, which That's is 550 million, go to four countries. Yeah, yeah. It is unreal. Um, just to clarify, for those who don't know, Krakow is a city, a beautiful city, in the south of Poland. Second largest. largest it is the Poland. second largest city in Poland, indeed. And it's often, unlike the rest of Poland, where it's quite unknown, Krakow is visited a lot. It is probably the upcoming city of Eastern Europe. And that's mainly because people go because it is the centre of possibly the worst, well, it is the worst atrocity in human history. Auschwitz is about an hour and a half away. And many people use the city as their base to go and look. We went when mm -hmm. we went in February. Yeah. And it's part of that city. They have a very, very strong history in their Jewish quarter. And they also have their old town as well. But it's, you can still see, walking through Krakow, that this is like cities such as Prague or Budapest, which are also Eastern Europe. It's very similar to that. But Krakow hasn't really been discovered properly. No. So sitting about 100 miles north of the Tatra Mountains, which you can see on a clear day, and if you can get there, I was gutted that I couldn't, but they do look incredible. Yeah. They are some of the most jagged, exquisite peaks in Europe alone. Poland is a really interesting country because I talk about it a lot in blog posts. It's sort of my favourite thing to talk about. It's the way two cultures can clash so vividly. Did you notice that when we were there? Do you mean the the Jewish and the Germans or the, the Jewish and... No, I'd say it's more Western Europe clashing with Asian. Yeah, I Middle must admit, Eastern. When, when we were there, there were quite a lot of Asian... Oh, no, sorry. Um, what The thing that said to me was that there was not as many Asian tourists in Poland, as, as I thought there would be. And that was surprising to me because um, there, a lot of Asian tourists like to go to those, you know, big cities like Rome and Paris, but there weren't many there. And that was quite surprising. And I think that secured the feeling that the Polish people have a certain dominance as them being the, the sole identity in the city. And they've made it feel like their own. And I like that a lot. Definitely, it's definitely diverse in culture. But walking around, it's not as diverse as a place like London, for yeah. example, or Rome or Paris. And, that, and that's quite nice in a strange way because you, it feels genuinely Polish and that's what... Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, there's a cloth hall in the middle of the main square. And Jacob knows what I'm speaking about here. Mm -hmm. And it's actually more Middle Eastern than it is yeah. European. Yeah, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to 
go to a bazaar in Turkey and it was on a level with that sort of vibrancy. There was haggling, there was smells, there was different weird and wonderful crowd. Mm -hmm. And it was like being in the Middle East, which obviously doesn't see the levels of tourism that Western Europe has, again, for the safety issue. But it was like being transported into a place where there was a gentle sprinkling of everything. Yeah. And not only that, but also the architecture has been influenced by, yeah. you know, Arabian influences. And I could see in some places that, yeah, Asia has some influence because, uh, and the food there as well, I think also is influenced, but it's, it's nice being able to walk around and pointing out the things that you can see because you can't do that in London because all you have are yeah. high rise offices and, and um, long shopping malls and whereas you could actually you could actually see the influence of lots of different cultures in one place that was nice to see yeah crack of old town is it's very small but once you're inside mm. i remember we hired bikes on one of the evenings yeah, yeah just to cycle around the old town for about an hour and we came across some really really hidden gems really mm. different yeah. sort of piazzas squares Different this, winding streets. One, yeah, there was one small square um, opposite this lovely church. And it was absolutely empty. And we just rode around it for a while because, and it, was, it just felt so, so snug and comfortable. And I think, the, I think the old town has got a lot of Germanic influences as well, combined with some of the uh, Middle East. That, that's interesting because I was going to come on to that. Um, now, I was expecting heading into Poland that it would be very, very Germanic. Mm. I don't know about you, because that's the beauty of travel. You get different interpretations. Someone might see one building one way, then someone else might see it another. But I didn't see it as Germanic as I expected. Yeah, yeah. It has more influence to the South, I think, with Czech Republic, than it actually does to the East Mm. with Germany. Obviously, there's very complex history between Germany and Poland, stemming back to World War Two. Um, But it was it was strange because I went there with an expectation expectation. Sorry. I went there with an expectation, which I don't think you should ever do travelling. Because you should go in with an open mind and then you get the best out of what you see. Expect the unexpected when you travel. Exactly. But I was so tired, <laughs> especially yeah. coming from Germany. Uh-huh. I I just thought, hang on, this is going to be Germany, but just with a bit of Eastern influence. 2.0. It wasn't. It wasn't. And it was such a great surprise. Because I met up with everyone in the Jewish quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a bit of a culture shock. That is what Krakow is. It's a culture shock. Mm-hmm. That's what Eastern Europe is, and that's why I love it so much. How did, because obviously you got there a couple of days before me. Yeah. How did you find the culture? Um, well, to be honest, before you arrived, we didn't do much in the city. We did stuff outside. So we went to the salt mines, uh, yeah. which were near to the airport when, once you land. Um, but I, I, found, I found the culture to be almost... Um, 
quite Russian. Yes, uh, I picked up on that quite, too. Quite Russian, because obviously they've had the big conflict, Cold War and all that. Um, and, you know, Russia was in Poland for quite a long time. And I could, I could see not only the buildings, but also just how the people acted was similar to that of Russian Russian people. And I can see the similarities there, but it, it was nice because I've never been to Russia before and I, I almost got a taster of it in Poland, which is really nice to see. Yeah, so looking at a map, you can sort of see how it works, the different yeah. cultures. You've got the Baltics to the north of Poland, which is Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. Mm-hmm. And then also Kaliningrad, which is part of Russia. But talking about the three former countries, they're more Russia connected with a bit of Scandinavia, and it's a yeah. lovely blend of that. Obviously, you've got your Belarus and your Ukraine, which are to the east of Poland, which are very Russian countries, yeah, and have that massive influence from Russia. And then to the east, you have Germany, which is mm. this Western superpower when it comes to tourism. And then you've got France, obviously, and then Belgium, Netherlands, also east of that. So Poland does act as this buffer zone. Yeah. And it is well, it, sort of like yeah. a vertical buffer zone heading down through Europe because you've got Poland, Prague, Austria, like around Vienna, Slovakia, Hungary, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia. It really... It goes from the Adriatic up into the Baltic Sea. And it is just a vertical buffer zone, really. And and it was really, really important in, in history because Germany and Russia both were very scared of it because it separates them both. And if Poland had become free and not controlled by them, it would have been really dangerous. So they had to they had to um, assert their influence over it somehow. And because it's a very because it's a big landmass and it's it's very important. Uh, mm because it separates two massive countries. Yeah, I read this article and it was fascinating. It said Poland has the worst geography in the world. And it's not talking about graves or anything, obviously. Mm. Um, It's saying, looking at it historically, it had Germany to be uh, west, which was obviously during the heights of the two world wars, was dangerous. And that actually triggered the Second World War. Um, and then to the right you have Russia, and to the bottom you've got Austria and Hungary, Austria-Hungary. And also the land as well, for relief, is very flat, but in some places you have mountains. Mm-hmm. Looking at somewhere like Switzerland, you can see where mountains make it an impenetrable country. Mm-hmm. But with Poland, it's very flat. It was very flat, yeah. It is a very, very flat country. It's like being in Holland. Mm-hmm. And I guess as you go further north, I've only been to Krakow, but Krakow is great if you want to get your four days of Polish culture and to see what it's like. Um, But up north, it's very much the same. Um, And then heading to Gdansk, like right on the Baltic coast, you've got all these different trade routes, but they're into an inland sea pretty much which is controlled by Denmark and Sweden to get out. So it's a very, very interesting country to look into. And you don't even have to go to be intrigued by Poland. 
which I guess is why I was so excited to visit. Like, yeah. Um, I, I think it is very interesting. It's a very interesting country. Um, when, when we first landed there, I was, I was surprised at how, at how flat it was. And I was, I was expecting like jagged Scandinavian type mountains with fields, but obviously, obviously not because, but I go in there expecting, um, you know, a winter landscape and it was just, it was just quite barren when we first landed and started driving to the salt mines. Um, yeah, and I've got, I've got to say, around the city of of Krakow, uh, the outskirts weren't particularly nice from what I from what I took in. They were no, a bit, I agree as well. They were a bit derelict and run down, and um, but I think that that contrast between barren and so full of life really uh, accentuates the senses. It really stimulates the sense of when you arrive in the city because you've you've been in such a flat place and you go in somewhere that's so so like culture heavy it is awe inspiring yeah. yes and even though it's i think it's about 2000 miles as the crow flies from where people say middle east starts which is around asia minor turkey sort of area yeah it's 2000 miles as the crow flies yet subtle infusions act so brilliantly in that city Small bits of the Middle East you can see in that city. Small parts of Russia. And it is a melting pot of cultures. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And we've only touched on a slight bit of history. Mm -hmm. But it's unknown history, which is, yeah. I think, more valuable than going to see something which everyone knows about. For example, the Berlin Wall. Everyone knows about the Berlin Wall. Well, most people would. Not many people would know about these inner bits of how the um, Mongol Empire tore through Krakow. Yeah. Which they did. And it destroyed the city. Hence why you've got such Eastern prominence. It's because Genghis Khan's army tore through it and destroyed it to the ground. Many people listening to this would not have known that. Mm -hmm. Many people who are listening to this would know the Berlin Wall and the story behind the Berlin Wall or the story behind Dunkirk. And they are incredibly important. But everything is unknown in Eastern Europe. Yeah. And yeah. the history is where that is shown best. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's... It's such a great region and it amazes me how it hasn't seen more upwards trajectory in regards to tourism. I think yeah. it's about 25% of tourists visit uh, east of Prague. Oh, okay. In Europe. Yeah. 25% visit east of Prague. And that just shows it all, really. And I think if they if they delved into the history a bit more before they went, they would want to explore further because it is so rich. Uh, and I think they'd be more drawn to it if they knew how much of an exciting past and how many conflicting cultures there are in the... I believe so too. Of Eastern Europe. 
I couldn't agree more. I could not yeah. agree more. Because when I visited Barcelona a couple of years back, I know that's as far west as you can get. Yeah. But I went for five days and mm-hmm. I did not see anything. I didn't see I, I didn't see it all. I got to about half of what I could see and then it was time to get back on the plane again because it's so much to go and visit yeah. as a tourist. Krakow is the same, but it's so much smaller. Which was amazing. We were in the main square each evening going, there is literally so much to see. What was your favourite bit about Krakow as a whole? Um, I I just think the evenings were lovely because because we were all there, quite a tight-knit group of people. um, And we're all very, very close. And I think it's just the evenings where we were just sitting in these um, pop-up tents in the square which, had, which yeah. had little um, fires in them where you could just bring your Starbucks just to sit around and chat. And we did that for a good hour and a half. And then, and then we hired bikes for as little as like, I don't know, two Zlotti from this guy. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing with Eastern Europe. It's incredibly cheap. cheap. Yeah, It is so, so cheap. And when we talk about Slovenia in a minute, we'll come to that as well. Mm. Because you could in Paris, you could pay 10 quid for just a sandwich if you go to the expensive part. Here, you could pick one up for about freeze lotty, which is about 60p. Yeah. It really a, does put it into a perspective. Ca- a can of Coke was about 20p, 30p maybe. Yeah, about that. In the shop. Uh, yeah. And I think that adds to the experience because you it feels more authentic and quaint. Where, where is it? Or in, in these yes, cities, you, you feel it feels very commercialised, and I, I don't want to pay ten pounds for a sandwich. Absolutely, you know, because absolutely. Um, so, what was your best bit then? Do you think of Krakow? Personally, there was a surprise around every single corner. I think maybe coming from a place like Dusseldorf, where it's so industrial, and it's mm. literally there's no other way to describe it. It's a city. It's got big buildings and it's on a river and it's an industrial city. Coming to Krakow was like jumping in to centuries old history. And there was a surprise around every single corner. For example, the tunnels, if you don't know, there's underground tunnels which run beneath the main square where there's bars, Italian restaurants, so much cuisine, so many flavors, all in these underground tunnels. Yeah, and walking down into them, you turn left and you go, "Oh, there's more." Yeah, and that is the best way to sum up the city. I think mm. there's more because there is always more. I've just written an article on it, and I've been researching it, and there was so much which I didn't even pick up when I was there. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we looked into it forensically while we were there, the history yeah. of everything. But we probably just scratched the surface. Yeah. And the uh, and the stairs of those underground bars and taverns are like almost stairs down a different timeline, a different dimension, because they they feel so Definitely, surreal. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was an experience I've never had before, those underground 
tunnels which absolutely absolutely man right so you've you've been to uh slovenia and croatia yes uh, as well as poland um yes now this was last summer you went to slovenia uh yes it was uh croatia i went back in 2014 so a really long time ago okay um so what I want to know is why were you drawn to to Slovenia of all places in Eastern Europe? Well, I was on a backpacking trip. I was taking my mum backpacking, which was a challenge at times. <laughs> and what we did was we went from Switzerland down into the Italian lakes, up to Innsbruck, along to Salzburg, and down into Slovenia to finish off at Venice. I'd been to all those different countries, bar Slovenia, and I'm always one for going, we're going to go to a new country. Let's tick one off the list. I'm a numbers person, so I'd say, oh, I haven't been to Slovenia, we're going to tick that off. We didn't really know what to expect in Slovenia. It's a really, really small country if you look at it on the map, compared Mm. to the giants around it. It's only got a population of about Two million, I think. Yeah. Which is 32 times less than the UK. And it is very barren. The reason I wanted to go to Slovenia in particular was a certain lake in the north called Lake Bled, which is very famous to backpackers. And I'd seen it on a couple of YouTube videos, TV shows, and was I need to see that in person. And heading down from Villach in southern Austria, it's about a half an hour train journey from southern Austria. And we headed in, and as soon as we crossed over the border, I knew it was my favourite country I've ever been to. You knew, yeah. I knew straight away. Mm -hmm. As soon as we got out the tunnel, which takes you through the mountains into Slovenia, it clicked. And I went, I I actually said to my mum, I said, I know this is going to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And we arrived in Bled, and Bled is genuinely stunning. It's Lonely Planet described it as number four on their top lakes in the world. And it's probably only about four kilometres in area, mm-hmm. four kilometres squared in area. So it's not massive, but it has the most beautiful church in the middle and a castle overlooking it. And then you've got Bled Town. Now, Bled Town was very, very touristy. Mm-hmm. So we just went for the lake. And yeah. you're surrounded by mountains up there. And that's the beauty of it. Because they're still part of the Alps. They are called the Julian Alps, also known as the Caravanks. Um, but they're still part of the Alps. They are still part of the Alps. And if I just uh, drag up this on my computer really quickly, the Alps have uh, 160 million people visit them a year. Yeah, yeah, they're they're big. And it's not just because they're big, it's because they are so incredible. And for many Mm. Europeans, it's on our doorstep. It's only an hour and a half flight to get to them. And it was the same mountain range, but it felt like a different one. 
Yeah, yeah. Because it didn't have the hype of the Alps. And it felt like going through the mountains was discovering somewhere where no one has been before. And that's what I loved about it. Because when I came home, people were like, oh, so where did you go? I said Slovenia. And that would always raise their eyebrows. Yeah. Because it's not like someone going, oh, I went to Paris or I went through France or Spain or Italy. Lovely. And it's on a par. Italy's my favourite country as well as Slovenia. And they border each other. (laughs) But it always raised eyebrows. Yeah. Because it was that place where people go, oh, I've heard of it. But I don't actually know where that is. I think people have got the perception that it's just another country that's similar to Ukraine and Poland and Russia. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas mm. I don't, I don't think it is. It's just because people know that little about it. They jump to something that they aren't sh- sure about and then it, they're all wrong. So, yeah. so um, I was going to ask you, you said the, the town of Bleb was very touristy. Yes. Was that was that hard for you to see, going from such a lovely, unexplored type area of the mountains to going into such a touristy town? Was it hard for you to see? I kind of expected it. Yeah. But to mm-hmm. be honest, I completely expected it. Because where I'd read about it was in all these big magazines. I call them the big six, where you've got Lonely Planet and all the big travel magazines. Yeah. As a journalist, they are your dream to get published with Mm -hmm. because then you've made it. But reading it, it's, you know, you've got a reliable source. So for it to be number four, wherever it was, it did prove to me that, oh, this is going to be quite busy, I think, when I get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the worst feeling ever. When you get to Mm. somewhere thinking it's going to be angelic and then you see the bits which for Google Images don't show. Yeah. Because if you type in Lake Bled to Google, you will see stunning images. Mm-hmm. Stunning. But you won't see the town. And luckily, Bled, it's it's not a city. It's a really small town. It's even bordering on a village. It's that small. But it's still very touristy. And you've still got the big hotels on the lakefront. But if you walk around it, you can get to much more secluded areas. And it's strange because it's more Italian than Eastern European. I'd count it as an Eastern European country. Yeah. Because it is on that vertical line I was talking about. But whereas with Krakow, it was more Russian influence and Asian influence. This was much more Italian influence. The whole of Slovenia, I found. Mm. But surely you think... If it was that busy, it also was good to see that people are finally recognising it. Is that also something that you... Yes, to an extent. To an extent, because it's really difficult. It's very selfish to look at it and go, oh, I want it to be empty just for me. Because everyone else is going to think about it. It's natural. And I I spoke to a couple of cafe owners while I was there, and they were saying how important people coming to the lake is for their life. It funds their restaurants, their cafes, mm-hmm. and it gives them a living. All from something natural. It's not like they have to go out and advertise themselves because they've got this yeah. natural wonder 
right next to it. Yeah. So I think in answer to your question, it's a difficult one. If it was in the middle of the Alps, I think it'd be number one on the list of the greatest. Yeah. If it was just in the middle of nowhere. But it's not, and it's very accessible as well. There's a road which takes you from Ljubljana, the capital. Yeah. Um, like 60 miles north, and you're at Bled, and it's literally five kilometres away from the main road. So mm. it is on a very prominent tourist route. And many people in Ljubljana can get day trips there and all that. So... It doesn't come as a surprise to me. No. Okay. Would you would you rather um, be in Paris with no one there, or or be in Lake Bled in Slovenia on a hot day with loads of tourists? Where would you rather be? Ah. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a really difficult one because, as I said, I fell in love with. Lake Bled, regardless of the tourists. It's one of those places which you see online and go, that would be really nice. And then you get there and you go, well, somehow it's exceeded expectations. It's got a beautiful subtlety to it. Mm-hmm. It's not surrounded by massive mountains. The mountains are visible to the north, but it's not in this jagged cauldron of rock. It's really not. It's just rolling hills around it. So it's a, I'd say, personally, I would go to Bled. Mm-hmm. I would go to Bled just because I really want to see the magic which it made me feel. Replicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a tricky question, that, because okay. I I have never been to Paris, and I would like to go one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, how would you convince people, friends, family, whoever, to go to Bled in, I don't know, a paragraph? You've put me on the spot here. Um, funnily enough, uh, sorry to like sort of faff back to your question and not really answer it, but right. if someone was going to Slovenia, I wouldn't tell them to go to Bled first. I'd okay. tell them to go to Ljubljana, the capital. Yeah. Bled is exquisite. There is no other word for it. Mm-hmm. But people know about it. People know about it. Which was the one downfall to that day where I spent at that lake. Because I knew, hang on, I'm going to somewhere where people already know a lot about it. Yeah. Heading down into Ljubljana, one, nobody can spell it. It's the most difficult spelling of any capital city in the world. And it's it's really small. Yeah. And that's what's so great about it. Slovenia is not like Austria. Austria is very much, you've got these massive mountains, everything's dramatic. Yeah. Even the architecture's dramatic. Slovenia, it's subtly beautiful. That's how I'd describe it. Because you've probably only got about two square miles in the middle of Ljubljana, which is really nice. The rest of it is industrial, and the industrial side of it is horrible. But if you shut your eyes while going through the industrial bit and open your eyes, 
in along the river Libyanica, which sort of is in a U shape, which goes round the castle. If you go onto the Tribridge, which is uh, Libyana's main landmark, you will be in awe when you open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not saying to visitors or my friends or family, put a blindfold around your head and wait until you get in and get someone to lead you in because you are going to have to see the outside. I stayed in a horrible hotel on the outside when I went to Ljubljana. But when you get into the middle, all of that is erased from your memory. So I'd say yeah. go to Ljubljana first. Okay. Um, three words to describe uh, Slovenia. Um, I would say first one is subtle, as I've said, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. It is what makes that country so appealing. Uh, my second word would be pretty, because it is it is really pretty, and I know that's a terrible adjective to use, and listeners will probably want something like alluring or something. But it's pretty. And it's that simplicity as well. So I'd say simple, subtle, and pretty. Okay. Uh, and this is probably quite an obvious one. But is it underrated or overrated? Underrated. Without a shadow of that. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. It's. Um, yeah. I've never been to a country I've loved more in my life. And it beats Switzerland, which was going through Switzerland on a train. You're just in awe. Same with Austria. Italy, you've got the food, the sun, the scenery. France, you've got, again, the cuisine. UK, it's home. Germany, you've just got really crazy, lovely people. Spain, scenery. (laughs) Yeah, and beer. (laughs) But none of them beat Slovenia. No. None of them. And well, it's, the same say that... it's the same with Croatia to the south. Yeah. I see Slovenia and Croatia in my mind as sort of the same country. People from them countries will not like me saying that because they're very different. But bordering each other, they're the two standout countries I've been to where I go, these are... Well, they border Italy. Croatia doesn't, but it's very close across the Adriatic. They're so close to these typical holiday destinations. Yet no one really goes. And two, they are ten times more beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say the southern, I prefer southern Eastern Europe. And I think Mm -hmm. Slovenia and Croatia are right on that boundary. Okay. Well, I'm I'm very, very happy that you've you found your favourite country. I'm going to live there because one day. <laughs> uh, I, I have yet to experience that. I think, um, and, and one day you will. One day yeah. you will. And um, I, I know for sure it's not the UK. Yeah. So yeah, me, me neither. I'm sure but it's out there somewhere. The best way to describe Slovenia is, and although. I've been a hopeless romantic for the whole of my life. It's like love at first sight. Yeah. It's 
as soon as you arrive there, you fall head over heels in love with Slovenia. And Poland and Krakow was the same to that extent. But Krakow has a very cold exterior. Yeah. It's, very it's fascinating. It's beautiful. But it's cold and it's everything's stone and marble. I would say it's, it's like an egg because you have the, the cold, hard shell of the outside and then inside you, you've got the, you know, the gooey, yeah. tasty yolk. Um, Whereas coming into Ljubljana, I've never felt more welcome in a city before. Mm. It, it, it was like I felt more welcome going into Ljubljana. I felt more at home going into Ljubljana than I do going into Brighton or London. Yeah, because it was so personal. Hundred thousand people live in that city, and it's its capital. It's one of the smallest capitals in Europe. Wow, that's quite interesting. I couldn't recommend it enough, mate. Okay. Right, I think we've reached roughly the hour mark, Um, and I feel that Zoom might kick us out soon if we're not careful. Um, but we have got some very exciting stuff planned, haven't we? Yes, definitely. I don't know um, how much you want to speak we, about it. We're, we're in the talks to getting a few guests on at the moment. Yeah. A couple of uh, influencers, I won't say their names because it's not fully confirmed yet, but it's in the works and it is a very exciting feature of this podcast because we can both talk for no end, as you've probably seen. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So, as we said, uh, new episodes will go up every week. Uh, Jacob, even though I interviewed him yesterday, uh, not yesterday, last week, about New York. Um, Mm -hmm. He's full-time host, obviously. Co-host with yours truly. Um, And, yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting times. And... uh, We'll be churning out this content because I can't see an end to lockdown at the moment. So, no, yeah, no. And also, I'd like to clarify: the name is not my idea. <laughs> it was Jacobs. It was my idea, <laughs> but you couldn't think up much else better. So that's no. that's uh, that's my argument there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you about Eastern Europe. Me I hope too, it's yeah. helpful. Uh, we'll probably do many a podcast. Yeah, on Eastern Europe because you can't cover it in just an hour. But I think the main thing is people should just go. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's really that simple. Just it's, go. It's a place you can't describe. Mm-hmm. It's a place yeah. where words don't often do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are like talking about people. Because many places are some buildings. Ljubljana, for me, was like meeting a friend. And I know how sad that sounds. But I've formulated this deep bond with some buildings in an industrial area on the outskirts. But it was like meeting that's a friend. How, that's how beautiful it is, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, uh, people you, listening. Yeah. Please like and share. Uh, round, uh, share it on your Facebooks, your LinkedIn's, your Twitters, your Instagrams. Hashtag, hashtag 
You haven't got a hashtag yet, but we'll think of one. No, we'll think of one because hashtag two travellers walk into a bar will take you all year. It's a bit of a mouthful, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But I hope you all have a lovely day. Um, Stay stay safe, safe, guys. Everybody, it's a very difficult time for us all and hopefully this podcast can give you a bit of escapism. But stay all well, look out for each other and most importantly, be kind. See you guys. See you later.